Welcome to episode number 19 of Let's Talk Some. Thanks very much for tuning in each and every week, letting me know how you're doing through feedback and how the show's doing, so it's always great. It keeps the show afloat, keeps it going, keeps the motivation in, so thanks again everybody. Now, had a really great guest on. Episode number 19, we had uh, Dundee's own Chris Boyle, musician and sneaker extraordinaire. He's got a shop called Dundee Soul, it's very, very popular, very popular for the Partly the Adidas thing that they've got going on and for the music vibe and overall the kind of great personality that they've got running the show. So Chris Boyle's been doing this for a wee while. He was a musician previously, mad drummer on the popular Dundee band The Twist. And I had him on to have a wee chat about that, some endeavours that he got up to with the view and a lot of stuff that inspires him as a person and inspires him in what he does and his work and in what we could all describe as being a tough time during COVID and that. He's been very resilient, keeping the business going, keeping the passion there. He's got a lot in the pipeline, a lot of plans, um, a lot of stuff going on in terms of designing more customs, keeping the brand going and letting everybody know that it's not even really begun yet. He's still got a lot of adventures to be going on and a lot of passions to be kind of done. And yeah, you should check it out. And if you want to find out more about um, Chris and his work, jump on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Sometimes he's not a big fan of Twitter. Check out Dundee Soul or Chris Boyle on the social medias. Send him a wee message if you've got a custom idea, custom design. He's maybe name on Google and you'll get to learn a lot about his kind of collabs that he's done, the customs that he's done for famous people like the Wu-Tang Clan and more. Check it out and enjoy the show. Thank you very much. Chris Boyle, thank you very much for taking time to come on, buddy. How are you doing? Yeah, good, mate. How are you? Not too bad. Just been uh, doing a lot of podcasts, getting a lot of episodes, just really trying to get together with this whole kind of pandemic. It's apparently going to be getting um, a wee bit better now. How have you been over the last 18 months? How have you been coping? Um, well, it's all, I've got the online thing going on, so that's not too bad. But uh, no, it's been boring. It's been really boring. You shot since Christmas Eve now, so yeah, it's alright. There's plenty going on. You keep busy in that, but missing the customers coming in, missing people coming in, telling stories. Are you finding that the online stuff's busy? Like, is it kind of keeping everybody in a float, keeping it all going all right? Aye. Yeah, it was keeping me going definitely. Uh, to be honest with you, a lot of the customer base for here isn't in Dundee, so. A lot, of, a lot of time I'm going to post office, posting. This week I posted to Germany. Canada, uh, I think Denmark as well, just this week. So I've noticed that. So I've seen like just kind of sporadically looking through your post and that you get a lot of people coming up for down south, like Millwall and all that. Is that, um, is that something you expected when you first done this, or did you expect it to be a kind of Dundee based thing? You'll get pals and then you'll get a uh, pals, pals, and then people for Glasgow and that. Did you expect it to go as far down south and that? I sort of did. Yeah, to be honest with you, yeah, I sort of did. At the time that I started that, I wasn't that, I wasn't that big. Yeah. I really wasn't that big. There was, there was two boys doing it that I, that I thought were like really good, really good. And they were, they were the sort of boys that made me want to do it. But mm-hmm. apart from them, there was nothing really like it going on. Mm-hmm. Big in America, like really big in America, but here just nothing. So what is Dundee? So where did the name come from? 
The name actually came from, uh, I'd done a custom. The first ever custom I actually made was for a boy, Lee Welsh, who sadly hung himself. Um, oh, yeah, I know who you mean. I know who you mean, yeah. Yeah, Lee was a guitar player. Ah, he was a musician. Yeah, I, knew, I knew him for school, so, mm-hmm. yeah, I made it for his mum and dad as a surprise. And I don't know, I, I, made, I wrote a, you know, when you do a post for, like, Facebook and that. Yeah. I said at the end of it, Lee had done these soul and... I don't know, it's stuck for there. I just really liked it for there. So that, that's where the name came from. Mm-hmm. Nah, it's got, yeah, it's got good, I mean, being, being for Dundee, but it's got a good kind of, I mean, obviously... Well, tribute... Loads of people said, loads of people said you should ditch the Dundee bit, and I was like, nah, I want the Dundee bit, innit? And mm-hmm. that's that's how, because like, you associate Dundee, well, well, trainer boys associate Dundee with trainers now. Mm-hmm. I like that. Nah, he's an identity as well. I mean, I mean, Salt would be all right, but nah, I think adding, adding your hometown to your city, or that just gives... Kind of gives it a wee different type of vibe. No, I think that's a good thing to keep it. So, what has Dundee saw in terms of like where it came from? So, have you always been into kind of like apparel and trainers or stuff like that? Or was this a new venture that you kind of got into? You know what? I, Dundee, yeah, I would say it starts with the streets at Dundee. It definitely, when you're a kid, it starts there. Uh, seeing what everybody used to be wearing. It's not such a big thing now. Mm-hmm. Because, like, I would say it's because of YouTube, stuff like that. Like, all the kids are wanting to be wearing Gucci and all these daft designers. But it wasn't like that when we were younger. It was just, yeah. it's all sportswear or just, like, designer wear. Uh, well, That's so, when it started so. for me. Dundee was all sort of big for it. And the music as well. The music as well. Even nah, though I was the biggest influence for it as well. <laughs> Uh, that's Casu pictured right away, man. We see he wears the kind of the, the all kind of the tracks at the bottoms and the top and the trainers and everything. And he kind of keeps that vibe going, man. Two, I think about 2006, it was it was mega. You had Ian, like I remember the NME Awards. You had Ian Brown and the Arab Monkeys there. And they, they yeah. like the Arab Monkeys cleared up that year. They were always okay. in Adidas. Penguin, Ian Brown was in Adidas. It just like, don't know about Brown, about then it was just like that. That is that. You like that. Now, I remember the tops. I remember the tops that went about there. It was kind of like you, you could probably see them now, but if it's the kind of clothes that I'm thinking, all the Arctic monkeys were wearing, I had the blue Adidas and kind of the kind of hoodie zip up. Yeah, the zip ups. Yeah, yeah I had them. The first cool. ever photos, I remember them. I was, I was telling that he was wearing like the, the blue, the blue on blue one. So. Yeah, that's it. That's it. So, what what does Dundee Soul do? So, I, as far as I'm aware, through looking at your stuff, you've done a lot. Of, Customs and um, Jade repairs as well. Is there a kind of process that you do overall for like if a customer's coming in, um, right? Adidas, I'm wanting this done. Are they looking to just get custom designs, or is that primarily part of what you do? But you got a lot more going on. It's uh, it's hard to explain. It started <laughs> the way it started. My dream I always wanted to have the shop. The shop right. was always the plan. I wanted to have the, the vintage trainer shop. Um, but to actually get to that, I had to do the. The customs restoration side, oh, that, that was how it built up, mm-hmm. and that's how the name built up as well. The name for the actual shop, like long before I got the shop open, I was making the customs and I was doing the restorations. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's where it started from. But um, yeah, so it all sort of gets like mashed into one. <laughs> I used to have staff in here, and I used to, I used to sort of run smooth, but COVID's really killed that. Yeah, yeah, it's really killed that. So I'm trying to do as much as I can. But uh, right now, I'm just trying to clear my back last, get that done. And then, yeah, I'm going to focus on customs again. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm going to be focusing on. So did you get into it, like, did you get into it solely from that? Like, did you always have this desire? I want to kind of do something. It needs to be involved with trainers. It needs to be involved with Adidas specifically. Is that always something that you kind of had going on for you were young? 
You know what? The Adidas thing was always just something that I had going on. It was always just in the back of the head. It was a dress thing. Uh, I really started with vintage football tops. I used to, I had this thing, I don't know, about 2013, 14 maybe. Mm-hmm. I was getting all these vintage football tops that I wanted when I was a kid that I, could, I couldn't get. It was like a Barcelona one. And I can't even remember. I sold most of them. Loads of Liverpool ones. I got the, the two candy strips. That was ones I always wanted. The 89 one and the 91 away one. And then when you go out, and people are always like, oh, where'd you get that? You know what I mean? Like, how'd you get that? And yeah. you start speaking to people. Yeah. And I seen an interest with it there. That's when I sort of started to be like, you know what? You can flip a coin here. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, I don't know. It took a while. It took a while to actually get that. But the, the idea the idea started a long time ago, yeah. yeah. No, I care what you mean, the candy tops. Is that the ends with all the kind of colours on it that they were wearing? Yeah, they, had, they had the mad prints on it, yeah. <laughs> Like the, the loss that, that I was dead imaginative. There was a Man United one as well later on. I think it was 92. Yeah, the class of 92. Like they had, they had like a sort of a print as well. But they were yeah. there. Really cool sort of tops. Nah, they are, man. They're cool. They kind of stand out. And I think that's what I first seen, like, um, just kind of going about the social media as you're going about, like I says, I was familiar with you. We'll get into that in a wee bit. But in terms of like your music and that, and I do remember seeing um, there was a type of thing going on that kind of is attributed to yourself on the basis of like the way you dressed, the way you kind of came across in that with the tattoos and all that. So it seemed like your own your own identity in that sense. Is that was that kind of on the ball with what you were trying to do then? Just kind of do what you're doing, enjoy what you're wearing and just kind of give back to other people in that sense. Yeah, definitely. Awesome. Well, that's, a good, that's, a good, that's a good way to describe it, I would say. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just yeah. a wee casual observer for the distance. So Okay, now that like Dundee Souls, the kind of maker you in the basis, that's where your reputation lies now. There's a lot of people in that, but I just wanted to go back a wee bit. So you're feed Dundee, aren't you? Yeah, born and bred, man. Yeah. yeah come on, I shouldn't be saying that. Like it says when you're talking with accent, I can tell right away, man. So what scheme were you brought up in? Uh, I was, my mum lives in Stob as well, right at the top. Um, I went to the club in school when I was, when I was right young, but my mum was a diehard Catholic. So she was she was determined to get us to a Catholic school. So she moved me to uh, St. Peter and Paul's in like five, yeah. five or six. So uh, yeah, I went straight up to the whole town. So yeah. How would you describe Dundee to people? Well, back then or now? Uh, now, just in general, if somebody asks you about Dundee, are you kind of proud Dundee guy, like kind of encompass it all together, or is it kind of like that's a bit all right? You know what, right? I, I think Dundee is, yeah, I think there's a lot of talent in Dundee, like a yeah. lot of talent. But I think there's a lot of, lot of problems that I need to address as well. Like, see, like the, the drug problem that I see inside the shop every day is like something they've done. You know what I mean? But uh, yeah, as for the talent side, I think Dundee's like a, a serious like talent hub. There's a lot of talent the people in Dundee, a lot of people breaking through as well, doing their own mm-hmm. thing. It does sort of, you like to see people do their own thing. and do well with it, so yeah, I would definitely say that. No, it's, it's like a kind of gem, eh? I mean, I know we've got we've got Glasgow and Edinburgh, I mean, I, I didn't hear much about Aberdeen personally, but kind of Glasgow and Edinburgh's always got something going on, but Dundee always seems to be that thing, I mean, we were talking about it a few weeks ago, about the kind of, the vibe and the scene that Dundee had, it's just this kind of place where, even if you've no heard of it, you've heard of it, if you came up, I mean, it's just always got, it's got its roots in some history for a lot of bands playing here, um, a lot of famous bands, I mean, like the average white band and all that. We've got, we've got, there's something, there's something about Dundee that even if you've not been, there's something about it you can about them. And that's the kind of vibe that, that I kind of get for you. And everybody's, despite all the kind of 
the issues with a lot of kind of drug problems and that, you do tend to find a lot of community type stuff and Dundonians do tend to stick together, man. I noticed that. Yeah, definitely, all the time. You know what, Dundonians are dead supportive of each other, I would think, as well. Yeah. You get a lot of support from a lot of people. It's just, you know what, it's like, if you describe it as like, it's the wee city, is it? It's like yeah. wee man syndrome. We're trying, oh we're trying to make it better. <laughs> no, we are, and, and I mean... In, in your instance, in the kind of stuff that you're doing with the stop, certainly in the location of where it is as well. I mean, those types of areas, whilst they're not derelict, they're still, they've still got some kind of heart in them. It's cool that you've got a shop in a location that um, I've not been up and doing that area for a while, if I'm honest, but I can't exactly where it's located, just doing for the pubs and all that. So it's got, I got a spray on the shutters last week, and the shutters yeah. are down. It says, Welcome to the Hull Town, birthplace of soul. <laughs> <It's fucking laughs> so, yeah, as soon as you come up the Hull Town, that's the first thing you see. Like, nah, man, it stands out. I've seen the photos. Um, was that was that always going to be the location then, or did you hear somewhere nah, else? No, nah, not at all. Uh, not at all. Basically, I've been up the other day because it took us a while to get the sign. Yeah. At the time, I was going all right. I was in my, my pal Cara's uh, barber shop. I was going good, but I was just, I was, I was too much. You know what I mean? There was just too much work coming in. I didn't hear the space. I was just starting to get really stressful, and then I ended up homeless for like eight weeks. Sofa surfing and stuff. Oh, jeez. Well, it wasn't that bad. There was all my mates' couches. It was just, it's made annoying not be able to like get a shower and go, go where you want to go. You know what I mean? But yeah, it's just, just simple things. Yeah, basically, just you can't even chill out. You know what I mean? I was high mm. stress levels at the time, but my mum got us a flat basically. And then once I was in the flat, I was obviously meant to be buying stuff for the flat. Yeah. But uh, honestly, I'm not even kidding. Two days later, this shop came available. And everything that I'd seen at the time was like half the size and twice the rent. So mm-hmm. I was like, you know what? This is, I just need to do it now. And yeah, that was that. We just I took the I got the flat two days later. I had the shop. I was just like, let's go for it. So I mean, getting into getting into business. I mean, I, I kind of a lot of people, entrepreneurs and that who do their own thing, whether it be a, a lot of kind of health, fitness, lifestyle kind of thing. So see, when you were getting into that, how old were you? How old were you when you got the shop? When I got the shop, I was just the way to be 31. Mm-hmm. A big thing for me was I always remember no Gallagher never made it till he was 27. Mate, that's the same thing that I've like that that keeps me going all the time. Yeah, man. The thing with the lifestyle he had that started at like 12, apart from the spiral uh, spiral car pass. Yeah. That started at 27. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So anything's possible. That was always a big setup. I wanted to get to 30 and do something in my life. Mm-hmm. So that was, that was always the idea. But yeah, that was always in the back of my head. No, that's awesome. That's the quote. That's the same quote. It was always no girl because it was 27. When we see him doing other stuff and doing other networth and that, he wasn't 18, 19 like what he used to see. And he was kind of up there already. I mean, I'm I'm 31 now, you know, so it's like, come up. I mean, as long as you stick to it and just embrace the, the body struggle and that you've got, you can probably do it. And this is... A prime example of that. So I just wanted to ask a wee bit more about. So we know that you've got your shop. We know that you've uh, kind of worked for rags to riches in that sense in your own right to get there. So I'm familiar with you for the past in terms of the music that kind of went on. So when you were galvanizing about the streets, like most of the world back then, how did uh, music come into your life? So I know that Oasis will probably play a big part in that. But when did you first kind of get into music in your own right? You know what? I was determined to play an instrument. Yeah. But you remember back in the day in Dundee, it was not cool to play an instrument. It really oh, wasn't. Okay. Uh, I picked up a guitar and I knew in about 10 minutes that that was not half. 
they've never seen me playing the bass. I got a pair of, I remember that, I got a pair of drumsticks from Rainbow Music. Yeah. And I learned to play a couple of songs on the end of my bed, or thought I learned to play them. Mm-hmm. And I went in a stage. Remember the, like the old room stage? The, the, uh, okay. the, the drum kit was on the actual stage, but with the big scraping at the back. I can picture that already, mate. Yeah, that old room in there just, just doing covers for, for ages. I mean, I don't think I actually got good until I actually got in a band. The thing with, the thing with me was, uh, when I started with a trend, that was the first band when I, when I met Bully, uh, they couldn't get a drummer. Mm-hmm. They couldn't get a drummer anywhere. And I was the only boy that was sort of known that could play the drums. Mm-hmm. I would even say, see, at the time, I was, I was pretty shy at the time, to be honest with you. It took a good, like, two years, actually, like, to play good. You made the first song that you kind of learned. Like, when I first started playing guitar, I think it was uh, cigarettes and alcohol I started playing, and when I when I played it and it sounded a bit like what I was listening to on the fucking the record, I was like, holy shit, man! Who the fuck did I do that? Well, I you... wish I had a cool story like that. My, my, uh, mine was Hey Mickey in a music in a music uh, class yeah. first year. <laughs> nah, no cigarettes and alcohol for me. <laughs> nah, that's awesome, man. So you went on, you kind of played drums. I mean, I've seen your drums in terms of your playing in the twist and all that. So um, it clearly did see like you kind of. You put your chops together, you worked hard on it. When you watch your playing, I'm a drummer now in that sense, and um, you were kind of mad all over the place with the kit, but you were always kind of, it was like a very high octane type of energy. Was that? I got um, called the animal style drummer, like the boy the That's what I was thinking. So, did you, is that your, was that just kind of, fr- no frustration, but was that just the way I kind of vent? And is that the energy in general? You know what, mate? I never had a drum lesson in my life. I just sort of, I just sort of done while I done. I can't even remember it. People used to always go on about watching us go mad, but uh, yeah. I just sort of went for that, to be honest. I used to pass Billy off quite a lot. <laughs> what, just we just we had a kind of mucking about? I used to drop a lot of drumsticks from time to time. I used to get like sweaty, like honest, because like you say, I was I was fucking going for that. You know what I mean? You were, mate, but, yeah. Uh, yeah, they used to come flying out my hands, like maybe having the back of the head or something. I don't know. Fuck's sake. Nah, you've definitely seen it with the performances, mate. Like I said, I'm, I'm pretty, I try and think that I'm good on the drums and that, but I've definitely not got the same type of energy or kind of attitude going into it. So you were in the trend. I never knew you were in the trend, actually. I just kind of thought you were kind of mucked about and kind of done a wee cover band stuff here and there, and then you went on to the twist. So I know the twist. A lot of people certainly in the, the, late, the, the mid to late 2000s would have got more familiar with the twist. Um, how did that come about? The twist came about, uh, me and Bolly were doing a song and we knew at the time that we needed uh, like a different voice on it. So it was meant to be a project, actually. Mm-hmm. It was meant to be a project. It was me, the twist was originally me, Bolly Mitchell, Ryan Sewer, and uh, yeah, yeah. Stephen Cox. And at the time, Abdi was like, it was like four, three different bands sort of joining up. Mm-hmm. And uh, the boys in the, the trend got right pushed off for that. Did not like it at all. So the next minute, I was just like, "Well, we we quit, blah blah blah." They went and got a, another rival band started. But they were good times, to be honest with you. It mm-hmm. was a really good time. No, well, that's what started. Yeah. Um. Well, I seen like I mean, like I said, it. I'm no so much a kind of fan of the. I mean, when that was coming about, it was all kind of like libertines and all that were going about Arctic Monkeys, like we said, but still with Oasis. Um. I listened to a lot of stuff back then. I listened to I listened to Twist. I listened to The Law, The View, because that was kind of the Law. The Law were one of the best bands ever, man. Honestly, you remember the like when they, they played? Uh, was it a couple of New Years ago? And, like tickets were like gold dust, man. Yeah, they did. Was it, in, uh, was it in church? Was it? Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, 
First time I ever got support, though, I remember it was like I was supporting, like, Led Zeppelin. I'm not even joking. I was Damn honestly that hyped up. I was just like, we're supporting the law. I seem to have been not long ago, actually. Mm-hmm. Up What's he doing? Is he, is he still in Dundee? I heard he went to Amsterdam. Yeah, he's looking good. Right? I don't know what he's doing, but he's looking good, like. Yeah. Nah, man, I was that in there. Awesome. The pubs were open, I see them. Nah, that band were awesome, man. And I mean, the view, we already came up with the view you've done in terms of the kind of heights that they managed to scale. So you were kind of right in the mix with that. Because I remember seeing you kind of touring up and doing the country. Obviously, I heard you kind of playing the care Hall and all that. So see, back then when you were playing, was was the momentum kind of there? So were you like, Hey, we're fucking getting some attention here. We're getting up and doing the country and that. Did you ever think that this was actually going to become like a serious thing? Like we're actually getting out the city now. We're we're not playing the doghouse and all that. We're actually getting places now. Did you ever seriously consider it as a kind of living? You sort of, you sort of wish for that, but yeah, it's a big was, dream, is it? Yeah, yeah, it was a big dream. You seen like you know what in the back of your head, you seen like great bands that didn't do it. So you just sort of thought, you know what, just. We just sort of loved it. We didn't have, like, if we, if I'm being honest, if we tried, we should have tried a lot harder. We should have been practicing a lot more. You know what I mean? We turned up for a gig supporting the view in the Ironworks. I remember we were in the practice for three months. We just went straight on stage. I remember the Stu, the old sound boy, when he came yeah. off, he went, it wasn't that bad for no playing for three <laughs> Just when you hear that, I was like, oh, God. But, uh, Sorry, mate, what? Oh, no, sorry. Where was the best place you played? Like, where was the place that's up there that's like, oh, I'm fucking glad I played there? Um, you know what? I'm a big Beatles fan. We played the Cavern. That was with a trend. That was more like a novelty thing. Like, a big, probably a 50 seater bus for all like 18 year olds. Went down to Liverpool for 12 hours and came back. Cool, man. That's cool. It was. Like, it was, it was more fun on the way back. Most of the bus were on the Ectos. Well, like we won that. So, like on the way back, there was a serious calm down bus. Fuck's sake! I was certainly a little happy. I was, I was fresh. <laughs> Damage, man. Did you ever get nervous, kind of playing, playing on stage or that, playing in these types of places? I did a couple of times. Um, you know what? See, when you were you were going, see when we used to go with the view, you used to play the big crowds. You used to get a mad buzz for that. You used to like really couldn't wait for that. But uh, I do remember a few times being nervous. I couldn't tell you when for. I couldn't tell like, the exact time, but I do remember getting nervous at some points, yeah. If you knew you had to play well and stuff. No, I mean, the momentum again, it's like playing the doghouse again and then going up to, I mean, your reputation's already there as a Dundee band, but when you're going in and kind of supporting a few who were getting a lot of attention in the kind of NME and then, well, no, even on NME, they were getting their all these songs on fucking Sky Sports and all that kind of stuff, eh? so they were getting... Yeah, their, uh, their first album yeah. blew up, man. They that's were, what I like, said. They got, got yeah. to number one, did it? Yeah, debut, only Scottish band that got debut number one album. Uh, yeah. I blew up, like, mentally. Mm. I remember, like, I was in college at Aberdeen at the time. I think I was, like, 17. And I was in the well. I was off college. I was sitting, <laughs> sitting spewing in this toilet in this bed and breakfast. <laughs> and then all I could hear for the next house was Superstar Tradesman blaring I was just like, wow, they're listening yeah. up here now. But yeah, honestly, I blew up. I've done that. I changed the city. Changed the city totally. Mm-hmm. You remember, no, like, but after that, you had like Ian Brown coming here, Kasabian, Alec mm-hmm. Monkeys. Everybody was coming through Dundee. It was purely just because of the view. No, it didn't. No, there was a lot more people. I mean, a lot more people try to play guitar, kind of get into bands. There was all these new bands kicking about. I can't even remember half of them. Uh, oh, there's, a, there's, a there was, there there's a picture online. There's a picture online that's got like this big line thing that tells you every single band is mad. But yeah, if you want to check that out, it's somewhere. I've um, seen it yeah, 
Nah, it wasn't fucking inspired. Um, ton of folks. So, got any kind of stories then? So, I read about stuff. I heard for you about like the stiff little fingers and that. Any mad stuff that happened on the tours or on the kind of journey there? I don't know how many stories I could tell. The stiff little fingers one, right? They were arseholes. I'll, I'll never forget that because that was the first crowd that I'd ever really played that was, that was yeah. fucking proper men. You know what I mean? It was like pure skinheads and like these guys they were going mental. They wouldn't let Big me, reputation. Uh, yeah. Oh, look, that was honestly the first guy I've ever seen like that. I remember they came on, right? And the place went, they went mental. There was drink going everywhere, blah, blah, blah. The boy stopped the song. I didn't care what his name is. He stopped the song and he went, uh, if another drink goes on, you can sing the whole fucking set yourselves. That's punk, too. That's meant to be a punk band. Exactly. We were honestly, as soon as he said that, we went up to that because we obviously had the triple A passes. Went up, <laughs> stole the rider, boom, right around the doghouse. Fuck's sake. <laughs> that was that. But uh, stories. Did you get any repercussions on that? That one, no. No. We did get a couple of repercussions on a couple of things. But that one, no. We never we got away with that one. It was quite funny. I supported, we, did, we supported like a couple of, it's hard to remember now. Uh, so one, I mean, it's quite some time ago though, it's at least, so went, now, it's at least over a decade. Anybody came from Dundee at the time, we used to get support. I was a massive fan of Twisted Wheel. Massive oh, fan yeah, of Twisted Wheel at the time. I didn't know that, their first album, we got to tour, we got to play with them a couple of times. I loved mm-hmm. that. Uh, I can't really remember. Little Man Tate, actually. I was a big fan of them. <laughs> yeah. They weren't were like, nothing bigger than them, but at the time, just starting out and like it was had hype. Yeah, they had hype. They had a song sexy and Latin and can't remember house party of booties and stuff. Mm-hmm. Or just like large tunes, you know what I mean? Yeah, no, I can picture them. What was that white playing the care told me? Mental, to be fair. The first time we played it wasn't a, it wasn't a that good. They just put it in the back back room. I think it's called the Asher Hall or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh the, the other two times we were the view, some of the guns played as well. They were a quality band. It was really good to play, uh, play with them. Oh, I thought you played with the View three times. So what you played in you played in the Asher Hall? Was that just with another? Played band? with the View. No, no, I played the the, care to, the Asher Hall is like this big hall thing at the back of it. Right, when you play okay. with the View, you get a dressing room. You know what I mean? That you got upstairs. Mm-hmm. Um, the first time was uh, I wasn't with the View the first time. It was someone someone trail the papers trail or something. Because mm-hmm. we ended up in the paper actually. Somebody complained about what. There's <laughs> this big write up in the paper complaining about what. Uh, the other two times we were the view, both times. Uh, yeah. You know what? That's it's a care talk. I always wing my mate Paddy up. Mm-hmm. He's, a, he's a really good guitarist. You know Paddy Brown? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And he's he's never got to play it. Well, I've always wanted to play it. I mean, that other bands that I was in, it was that, that kind of fucking depressing, like Joy Division. Well, not to say Joy Division or depressing, but the kind of the kind of vibe that they gave over with the Ian Curtis stuff and that, and then. Nirvana and all that, so I never kind of hit any kind of musical pinnacle where that would be accepted. The care at all um, has always been somewhere I wanted to play, but unfortunately, you know what? There's a lot of history it. behind that. A lot of history behind that. You've got like Queen played Queen, there, Led Zeppelin, Beatles, Beatles, Stones. There's a lot of people that played there. That Schemers film was about. Uh, was that Iron Maiden? Iron Maiden playing there. I can't. Yeah, they definitely played there actually. Yeah. But I never, no, no, that's, I've never seen film. Film. that's about that's what it's about getting Iron Maiden. Well, the boys mm. that got them here or something. I watched that, I watched that a couple of weeks ago, but I'm sure that's what that what happened. No, I need to see it, but that's cool, man. I mean, even even on the basis of what you've done now, I mean, we, we know that in terms of 
entertainment and kind of contrasted um, experiences and what you're doing. It's kind of like a complete kind of shift for that world to this world. But I mean, in this world, you can get excitement through all your kind of stuff that you're doing now, but you can always go, I mean, played care to all three times. I got to tour up and down the country with one of the most exciting young bands at the time, like in the whole country. Um, oh, no, number one. You know what? See, when I was 15, if you told me I would have done that, I would never believe that. I would have wanted it to happen, but never would have believed that. Oh, man. I, remember, I remember Dundee before the year. I remember that. I was it, was, like, it wasn't the same, was it? Nah, definitely no. There wasn't even as much. I think the views just showed people, you know what, you can actually do something with your life. You know what I mean? No, I was always in the bottom of my head after seeing that. You know, it was like, you're told. The Superstar Treatment was a good uh, good example. Webby always was always saying, you know what, you're told yeah, you've yeah. got to get a trade, you've told us. And that, that, that was rebelling against that when they were like 18 year olds. No, it's still like that just now, though, in most places. I mean, although we're seeing people are a lot more innovative in terms of like sneakers and in terms of people doing podcasts or doing fitness and that, but now you're right, there's still, there's still that pressure now. Everybody's uh, expected to become a sparky or a kind of joiner or something like that. So I'd say that the, the view amongst many other folk definitely brought that type of attitude here. And I mean, we're seeing it now, and I mean, even in your own right, in terms of what you're doing. So, if I was reading right, so your sneaker business and that you're doing, is that the only kind in Scotland that does what you do? Yeah, I'm the only store in Scotland that, since I've started that, there's loads of people have popped up doing that. Like, it's what happens, do, man, is it? Yeah, it is. It's what happens. Anybody could clean a pair of trainers. It's no hard. It's hard to get them looking good again, but that's so it's going to pop up everywhere. That's why I, I wanted to install the shop. It's, that's why it's different. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's totally different. You just sit and do it in their house. You can come here, you can just have a look about, see what's on the walls. Mm-hmm. So, what inspired? Like, I've seen a lot of different uh, mod designs. So, I've seen uh, the Lee Welsh design that you've done. Uh, I've seen like John Lennon, Liam Gallagher. Um, I've seen uh, a Dundee DJ as well. I can't remember the guy's name, but um, yeah, yeah, you've done some stuff for him. So, see, with regards to that, for the design and like the sketching and then getting it kind of printed onto a label and putting that on, is that a process that you kind of, do you go through that entire process from start to finish? Yeah. Um, the most, I've had, the, you know what, I've had a couple of shoes that have been like quite big halves, depending on what that is. I've done a, my biggest one's probably the, one, the Wu-Tang one that I've done, if yeah. you've seen that one. Uh, I was right into, I just sort of got lost in that for about two months. Mm-hmm. You can't, it can be, the difference for me, when I was doing it a while ago, a lot less was acceptable. You know what I mean? It wasn't, a, you didn't have to be so creative because there wasn't so much competition. If that sounds, if that sounds right. But um, now, because there's so many people, and I, I look at the, the way the custom scene is now, the way I look at it, it's just so, it looks so bad and trashy. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, so many people have came into it and they've no, they've no got the passion for it. I would say it's not like not even the passion, the thought process, you know, just sit and think about someone and just think, you know what, think different than what the normal would be, if you know mm. what I mean. And just sticking to like a name on something and then sticking a photo on a tongue label, you know, just a photo, like it's it's really tacky. So no, yeah, I, I, sort of, I like to get lost in it, yeah. And probably do it. And how, how does that process come about? So when you're I mean, would that say then that you're trying to stand out in a sense so if you're picking up like musicians and all that and then kind of combining them with the Adidas type label is that in an attempt then to get um, yeah, yeah. a certain niche kind of market involved in it the, yeah the way time ones is a good one to explain uh, 
like obviously because we're talking about hip hop thing, especially yeah. in the Danish scene, the, the scene that I'm sort of in. Yeah, yeah. You don't get much hip hop shoes. You'll probably get a wee bit of Run DMC and Beastie Boys because yeah. they were they were wearing Adidas in the eight days. That's about that. So the Wu Tang uh, was proper dominated by Nike. They released the shoe in like '99 or something. Anyway, yeah. it's proper dominated by Nike. Anyway, so my goal was to try and get it across the pond as a like, sort of Adidas model. Uh, I done it. It took, it took us about two months. So I had the idea, but I just I had thirty six chambers on repeat for like two months. <laughs> just constantly, the lyrics were just indented. Yeah, in so I, I just that sort of spilled on what happened. What, but um, yeah, Ray Kwan seen it, which was couldn't, I couldn't believe it. As in, did he, did he like, did, did he just see it like through a kind of hype on social media, or did somebody He's send him it. some images? He's seen it on a, you know what the heartbreaking thing is? I had him on the show and I took him off. Oh shit! I'm not even kidding. I had uh, on the black one. I had. I was Rizza, because I'm a big fan of the Rizza. Ah, that's cool, that's Because Rayquan's a big trainer for, uh, fanatic, and I knew that. So I thought, if anybody's going to see it, it's going to be Rayquan. Yeah. And for whatever reason at the time, it was Rizza and Jizza. So I, I, I whipped off Rayquan and put Jizza for the show, just for a week, uh, and mm. he was the one that seen that. The irony, mate. Yeah, I don't know. That was honestly like that. I was sitting with my mate Sicky. We were in his back gut. It was last lockdown. But it happened. It was last lockdown. Sitting in this uh, swing chair thing. It's got like a canopy thing on top. Yeah, I can picture it. Rayquan messages came through. I swear to God, mate, I went through the fucking canopy. Hey, the thing well, did, you just send, did you just send you like, just like a fucking casual message at the neighbour? He messaged yeah, me. He messaged me. I got a message first uh, from Paige that the boy shared that. Yeah. He, he came up. He did, only, all, <laughs> the only thing he wanted to know was uh, Adidas didn't make it. So the way time when they get done out of money. That was basically what I came down at. But I, oh, I still right, get the right, success right. story and that you've seen it. Because that, uh, that was a big deal. But anyway, yeah, that's what it was for. The right tight on their money there. Right tight on their money. The logo gets... Uh, yeah, the logo gets put on everything, so... Yeah. No, nah, man, that's... I mean, that's still cool. I mean, Wu-Tang Clan, we're kind of popular they are. And I mean, the fact that someone that you created and, I mean, clearly nobody else was creating stuff like that. And that, if I if I'm right, was that the... It was the yellow, was it yellow and black design or was it the yellow and kind two. of dark blue? You made I two, made two pairs. I made, uh, yeah, I called it the, sh- the show. Well, show and then we show and I've seen that. Yeah, because they got the names from the movies. Mm-hmm. I don't know if the actual movie was called Shaolin versus Wu Tang, but mm-hmm. th- that was the idea. It was Shaolin versus Wu Tang. So I just went with that. So one was black, one was yellow. But both yeah. in uh, the Killer B style, you know what I mean? The colorway. No, they're cool, man. So how many different types of trainers then have you got in the store overall? Like, if, in terms of customs, is it all vintage, like, kind of 60s, 70s going up, or is it all kind of custom, like, with images on them? Uh, right now, all I've got is uh, a Disney, just purely for sale. I want, uh, I'm going to do a Pink Floyd show. That's my next one that I'm, I'm waiting to do. Awesome. I'm in the process of getting everything together for that. Uh, customs. I've got loads of stuff to do for people. Yeah. But right yeah, now, yeah. yeah. I like to focus a lot of energy on the on the big ones now. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Do like a proper shoot. What album for Pink Floyd? You hang on. That'll say the man. That'll say the man. Awesome. Man. That'll say the man. I've got what yeah, I'm, I'm thinking that out of the dead. I don't know if you can see that. No, no, I can't see it. No. Send us yeah, a photo, though, man. Send us it's a, a little rainbow stripe thing. Yeah, that's my. But yeah, I reckon that one will be a really good one. I was in, yeah. my mate Alan was in the day we were designing the box, what we're going through with the box and that. So, that's, it, 
boxes and stuff's a big deal now. You know what, collectors are like presentation, eh? Yeah, basically, 100 percent It's a, it's more effort as well, you know what I mean? It just brings it together a bit more. What well, kind of pip I kind of like for me, like if I'm pitching it now, it kind of gives you personal experience, it personalizes it so I never even thought about that at first, so I knew that you've got a shop and that, but if you're creating customs, of course, it's uh, whether you're creating one, one to five, that's te- technically, that's the only ends in the world if you're going like that, so you're wanting the presentation to kind of, to match the box, to match the design, to match the, the specifications, so like, if I'm wanting to like say, let's say I was like, right, I want you to design that, is it as easy as somebody just messaging you on Facebook, Instagram and saying, um, Trying to think now, like I don't know, like M and M, like I'm no big of yeah, M and M fan. I used to, I used to do a lot of that. Uh, I don't tend to do it now because <laughs> one, I, I just want to do stuff that I want to do because I feel like you've got to, you've got to really be into something to do, like pull it off. You know what I mean? No, you're right, you're right. So that's the way I feel about it now. Because uh, I used to get asked to do just a lot of shit. You know what I mean? You got any examples? Rangers trainers, Rangers, <laughs> trainers, right? Rangers, trainers, Rangers fans are fanatics, and I, you got to appreciate the support of their thing. Yeah. I don't want to make their trainers. And imagine the trainers, man. Oh, there's there's loads going about, like loads going about. Gascoigne, Gascoigne. Um, I had to do a Gascoigne custom, and it blows me out. Well, we damage, we damage everything. I couldn't get. A, see what the hang about doing some deal for like. Like say the nineties or whatever, the photos that were took by then aren't as good as what the photos are getting took now. You know what I mean? So basically, the only picture of Gaza at the time that I could get that made him look all right and like a sort of black and white image, he was an Alke. You know what I mean? So his face was all fucked. So I didn't like it. I didn't want to put Alke Gaza on the trainer. You know what I mean? No, I get you, man. But yeah, so that's that side of what stress that is quite a lot. Just issues like that. Just wee issues that constantly popped up. What do you see like so mo- moving forward? So you're not open, like your shop isn't open yet, is it? No, nah, I've been uh, like, I've been shut since Christmas Eve. Mm-hmm. Are we expecting then over the next? I mean, after talking about kind of phase two and all that kind of shit, is that going to be in the next twelve months? Then you be open something like that? I'm going to be able to open on the twenty sixth. Oh, That's I'm, not be, okay. I'm not one hundred percent sure what the rules are. Mm-hmm. Maybe two people on at a time or something, but. As it stands just now, I may be one of the 26. How long can they keep businesses shut for? You know what I mean? Yeah, mate. It's it's getting it's getting even even the most kind of trivial stuff. I mean, booking a holiday and that again, it's no everybody's cup of tea. And even yeah, just just, just being just being able to do it, even just going right, if I want to go and book a holiday, I can go and do it. If I want to go and okay, nip to the pictures or nip to a shop and get the trainers and all that kind of shit, it's not quite the same, is it? It's completely Okay, taking the world by storm, man. I can't believe how many people have took that. The streets are better. Like, I'm yeah. sitting outside the shop every single day. Yeah. And yeah. if it's a busy day, you're like, you can see a couple of people kicking about. Mm-hmm. And you're like, you're shocked by it. You're so, I'm honest, the streets are better usually, I would say. Hopefully now the sun's out, people will start coming out again. Hopefully. No, you're, you're seeing it in the schemes. Like, there's a lot of people kind of kicking about in the schemes. I mean... It was up at Campy last week and it was like lockdown didn't exist. Eh? It was just like Abdi was just going pure nuts. But I mean, you'll get pure cabin fever though, so I could see why. I could see why. You know what? And I know last year that I had uh, so you know, the gender reveal parties like last week. Oh, really? <laughs> and people are going mental. It made the paper. You know what I mean? It made the paper because they were standing in the park letting off whatever it was, cannons or whatever. Picture. It's just like, come on, eh? Like, is that seriously news? 
somebody grass and moaning about people standing apart. It's like, let's move on. Life's got to go on, man. Yeah, man. It's what the day, though. It's just um, sometimes when you're in this kind of situation, the circumstances, you're just kind of trying to cling to any and that. So you're probably just looking into da- the daft wee trivial stuff and just kind of taking you know it it's turned a lot of people against each other. You know what I mean? I, I yeah. thought I thought last year it felt like the referendum again. You know what yeah, I mean? I did. You were, either, you, you were either a big conspiracy theorist or broke out. I don't even know. But that's what it felt like. It felt like people were proper against each other. You know yeah. what I mean? Or having an opinion. I don't no, like it as much as I got. No, no, I don't know. Like it says, it kind of tests back into what we're talking about. There was all, there was, at first, there was a kind of unity, community type thing. Everybody was like, right, we're all in this all together. Um, Clap for the NHS and stuff. Yeah, clap for the NHS on a Thursday, 8 o'clock, and just kind of go mad with that. And then social medias were going mad. And then yeah, it's just kind of like um, there's a lot of divide now. And um, I mean, that, that's kind of what we're needing, I suppose. And hopefully there's a kind of community element of stuff getting back on the go and in, 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 the, in the kind of aspect of shopping and in the aspect of your shopping specifically. Um, it'd be awesome to see if you can get stuff back on track as well. So... Where do you see yourself in Dundee Solby? And let's just say, um, it's, it's a pretty hard question in that, but if you're looking five years ahead, is this is this something that for you, like you've done your music, you've done a lot of different wee things, are you looking to take this as far as you can, like keep it kind of niche and cult-like or world domination? Long question there. You know what? It's a struggle. That's a, see, if the Adidas market was as big as the night market, I'd probably mm-hmm. be a millionaire. Yeah. Like, what I mean? But it's not. Uh, I respect Hannon as a shop. They're the Scottish boys. They've done really well. Mm-hmm. I hope to take it to some level like that one day. But mm-hmm. you know what? I don't want to lose the niche of it either because it is what the boys... A boy from Manchester came in uh, when I was open after lockdown last year. And he came in and he was all happy and stuff. And he was like, he said to me, this is a part of trainer history. And you know what? That guy is... Oh, like, oh, yeah, that was a boy from Manchester. You know what I mean? I was like, that's quality. So... I don't ever really want to lose that. Because mm-hmm. I think a lot of people respect it for that. So, but yeah, I, I, want, to mark, uh, I want to mark it as big as I can. Mm-hmm. That is the did, did he emphasise on what he meant about kind of history? Was it the kind of, the way that you've went about it as opposed to other people? Did he emphasise on that? I think so. You know what? Tara's really described a lot of the stuff like that I've done at the start, it was like, it was fresh. It wasn't done. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? I really wasn't done. Like, uh, I don't know if I got done. The first time I ever, well, one of the first times I made it in the paper, I made that, this boy done it as well. I made a shoe for Raymond Van Barneval. Well, the story was, he told me that Van Barneval, you know, the darts player. Oh, the, 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 the Dutch darts player, eh? Yeah. Came out around, but, eh? Yeah. What, you made him a custom pair? Well, yeah, I did. <laughs> yeah, that's what happened. But that's no... What happened was this he apparently messaged this boy, right? Call it his name was. And uh, he messaged me because at the time he couldn't pull it off. He couldn't do it. So he messaged me, he said that we would do it as a collab or some shit. He was gonna mm-hmm. die die the shoes. And which at the time I didn't need him to do, you know what I mean? But it was just like whatever. So then he sent us the shoes and it was a horrific die job. And uh, so I fixed that, done the custom. Uh long story short, I went on. It's how you know it's it's a good story because how I met my mate Alan. But uh long story short, they went on twelve and they took off, they blew up, right? And Van Barnabal posted them and he only put uh, the boy Billy just done them. And he ended up oh, done it. Okay. So next time it's all over. He ended up in the papers and all this stuff that he hmm. didn't sure. So it started a big feud between me and him. 
because uh, I basically got done with that. But I learned my lesson from it. But that was the first one. I got a big support uh, from a lot of lads because of that, because they knew the true story, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah. that was the first one. That's what That kicked off quite a, quite a bit as well. To be honest with you, I feel like I heard. About, I feel like I heard about it somewhere. Actually, um, yeah. it wasn't like was it somebody? No, to say I don't know if it was an intestinal. Is that when like all your hard work and kind of effort into getting something done? Is that when somebody? I don't know. Did they intentionally kind of put it as their own, or was it just kind of? He might see, he might see he that, but he did. He yeah. knew what he was doing because you know what his business, his business launched for that. Okay. I mean, launched. Yeah. But was, he, he was shy. He was always shy. He's still shy now. I hope he's watching now because he's shy. So you uh, never, you never tag to the level he was going at. He's a big reason why. It's so I'm saying earlier on, it's so tacky. Mm -hmm. But he knew what he was doing. He, I would always say he's a clever businessman. I'll give yeah. him that. I'll give him that. But uh, yeah, you knew what he was doing. He got the job done. Uh, well, he didn't get the job done. I got the job done, and he got the all the credit for it. You know. So that's what that's what happened with that one. <laughs> There's, there's loads of stories. There's loads of stories in the train. Yeah, no doubt, mate. Did uh, uh, Van Barneville, did he ever find out the truth of that? No, that, no, that. Um, he didn't care. He called us jealous because I was probably going for the boy, yeah. Called us jealous. What, the Dutch, the Dutch player did? Yeah, yeah, he called me jealous. Jesus uh, Christ, man. You know what? It took me, me ages to get his, uh, his bald and upper on that, on that logo, <laughs> I think, so I was a bit insulted by it. Jesus <laughs> Christ, man. Nah, I mean... I mean, that's a, I would never have pictured that, mate, certainly with a darts play, right? Uh, but I'd say, I mean, your your business, what you're doing now, that's the first I heard of anybody kind of doing that as well. That's, that's kind of what cottoned me on to it when I first seen it. It was like, wait a minute, that's the body Dundee boy doing that. And you um, know what? the way they designed The shops came about, there's a shop in Liverpool called Transalpino. Mm -hmm. they, they were doing that for the vintage trainers and they'd done it really well. But uh, have you ever heard of the, the story of Carlos? No, no. You should check that out. There's, there's a guy in uh, Argentina, Carlos. They found, they found the shop in like 2014. Honestly, it was like Van, Van Halen, man. All the stuff he had, I was incredible. I watched that, and it's the only reason I'm in here just now. As soon as I see that video, that's, that's like, that's what I want to do. Still alive. You know who I am as well, so that's, uh, mm -hmm. that was a, a big bonus. customs? No, no. He, he bought loads of stock in like, I don't know, I think it was the 70s or the 80s. And he just had this little shop in, uh, I can never say it right, Buenos Aires. It's still there now. It's still there now. It's a, it's a local legend. I've got photos of it somewhere. But basically, he was just, he's just this old guy. And he was in, uh, he was in Argentina. He had this shop. And then somebody walked past one day and seen all that. Like, obviously, somebody in the know, seen all these trainers in the window and all the stuff he had. Messaged, like, Adidas. Boy. Eventually, Adidas went down there. And I couldn't believe what was in there. The whole, there's a... The Adidas Special range or Special, whatever you want to call it, mm -hmm. uh, a lot of it was launched off uh, the trainers of found. Oh, was it? Oh, wow. He's uh, in the Adidas world. He's, he's like God, to be fair. Mm -hmm. He really is. Carlos, is a, you watch the video, it's a touching story. Like, they go oh, back, right. there's, two, there's two parts. They go back, Ian Brown's there, and they go back and uh, he's handing me his shoe. I've got a pair of his shoes here, actually. Yeah. Uh, this is the car wash. That's from there. He's uh, on the tongue label. You can see that. No, no, I can't see it. No, no send, send, us, send us a photo, mate. Send us a photo. I'll get to I'll see it, cool. well. Yeah, definitely do that, man. Um, no, that's cool. I mean, fucking hell. So you had that kind of 
Adidas fucking treasure chest, if you will, just kind of hiding somewhere and never knew a clue about it. So, what made you pick Adidas then over Nike? I mean, was that all intentional for day one? Like, did you want to? Is that yeah. your favourite brand, and that's what you decided to do? Yeah, it was sort of football, football boots. What you were wearing, music side of it as well. Music side of it, like all the sort of music, especially British British influenced music. Mm-hmm. You were either seeing them wearing Adidas trainers or Adidas trackies at some point. I just saw like I just saw that goes into you, you know what I mean? That was the brand. That was the brand you wanted to wear. I mean, you've got pictures of, like, Sergeant Pepper's, and the Sergeant Pepper album, Lennon's got on Adidas. You've got Led Zeppelin really? wearing Adidas. You've got, like, Freddie Mercury. He was Mate, Freddie Mercury. I'm sure he had Adidas on at Wembley, did he? Yeah, well, at Wembley, he had it on at Live Aid. He loved it. He loved Adidas. I've got a pair in here now. There's a picture of him in Austria in 78, mm-hmm. with a flash T-shirt on it, and a pair of Vienna. And I've got them in here now. Yeah. But he was uh, he was constantly at that. And Freddie Mercury is like a legend, is he? Absolutely. Go, goes with you saying, man. I was just watching Queen documentaries the other day, man. Fucking impactful. I mean, are you looking to? I mean, if we could say right now, based on what you're designing and the kind of fucking heart and soul that goes into doing what you're doing, is there anybody you'd want to design for, or anybody you'd be like, I'd love my customs to be um, on them and kind of for them to rep what they love about it and love about the Adidas brand and kind of showcasing your hard work that's gone into it. Anybody in particular? Oh, there's loads. <laughs> there's loads. Uh, it's a hard question, eh? Uh, guys, you know what? I don't know. I honestly don't know. Mm-hmm. Probably Liam Gallagher. Probably Liam Gallagher. Just because... He's probably... He's probably approachable. I mean, I've seen him kind of... Been there, kind of chit chatting with a lot of different folk on social he's totally, media. He's totally the reformed. See, since that One Love concert, I think that was everybody used to be team, team though. I don't care yeah. what MD says. Everybody I agree. No, team, everybody was. They were. And as soon as you done that One Love concert, no didn't come out. Uh, everybody was like, just slowly sided to Liam. I mean, I know guys that were saying they fucking hated Liam ten years ago. That just constantly buying what he's, he's wearing nowadays. You know what I mean? It was a massive shock. I was. It was a massive shock. Well, you know what? I always thought the Spirit Oasis was sort of really young when you were younger. You didn't want to be no, no, it wasn't. It wasn't. You grow your hair and swagger like Liam. You know what I mean? No, it was definitely our Liam and that. I mean, Ed, no wrote the songs. Well, majority of them, but our things that Liam's done, like uh, even fucking Little James and that man, uh, that kind of stuff. Little James is a tune, man. Yeah. What was that in? Um, I'm out of time. That him is fucking damaged. That's the more recent one I'm out of time. Little James, I've not heard of that for a long time, man. Yeah, yeah man, that's classic. You know what, I classic hate Songbird. Me. You wrote Songbird. I hate Songbird. Uh, I don't like Songbird either. You know what? I think I see Oasis tunes were the best. Where the first of the album was when No was on the drugs. Uh, the yeah. best, the best music was written then. No, nah, they were. No, nah, I liked stuff. Uh, what was it? So was Gas Panic? Was that on the third day? Or was that fourth? That was on uh, Stand of the Shoulder of the Giants. That was when he just came off the drugs. Uh, was definitely, the... maybe. What's the story? And then be here be now here and now. then. Right, okay, that was the fourth in then, was it? Yeah, that was the fourth one. Nah, I'd, I'd say the first three were the best as well. But um, no, nah, Liam Galker's awesome, man. I mean, I think that the kind of way he carries his cell and as you said, a lot of people were like, doubt, no doubting him, but they were like, nah, knows the kind of brains behind this business. But I think fucking Liam's doing brilliant for his cell. Yeah, and the music is... forgets about it now. But like, BDI were a massive failure. You I know, BDI. I know. Yeah. And uh, yeah, you, just, you know what? He's the last rock and roll star. Who yes. else is left? Okay, you know man. what I mean? Who else is going to follow the stadium now? Like yeah. realistically, could they on his in? Like, even Kasabian, Kasabian kicked the like the long lifelong band made out. He's still apparently still with his missus or whatever. I don't know. I can't I remember the story, but they yeah, kicked him for a bit. 
What do you think about that? That was, I mean, I could see the stance based on, I mean, if we're talking about the context of like what he's done and all that, and I mean, you kind of condone it, of course, but it was such a kind of mad move considering that, I mean, we can serve just good in that, but Tom was Tom was Kasabian. I mean, the attitude, I've seen Kasabian, um, I've seen Oasis in Kasabian in 2009. Was that uh, Murrayfield? Well, the enemy played as well. Yeah, uh, uh, it was Reverend and the Makers, the enemy, Oasis, and that. I've seen them. Did you go there as well? You know what? I had a ticket, but I never ended up going. Oh, fuck. That's why I remember all the bands that played, man. I mm-hmm. got it. No, it was brilliant, but I mean, Tom was there, and I mean, Tom was Tom's Kasabian. I mean, he's been he's been there for the start, isn't it? And shit, and uh, completely different. But now nah, for them to kick him out, it's pretty mad, actually. I mean, it's a, it's a weird one, is that? It's a weird one. Especially well, still his wife. What I met his wife actually. We met her on last yeah. What well, I don't know. Your boy, your boy's your boy, and somebody does wrong. Obviously, I'm not condoning that, like at all. Don't know what happened or whatever, but yeah, yeah I find that a bit weird. I do. No, as considering, I mean, I mean, it's their livelihood in that as well. I mean, when you're thinking, what are you going to do? He's, he's, you can't. I can never really think you can replace a frontman. You can't. No, no. I mean, you can replace a drummer unless it's like Keith Miller or any of the Stone Roses. Everybody yeah. else, well, loads of great drummers. Like you mm-hmm. get away with it, but a frontman's like someone you can't really replace. I don't know. No, it's like. I mean, when Liam Gallagher was an Oasis man, it was no Oasis. You couldn't replace them. I mean, I think Mould on a couple of soul shit like, but never, never quite the same. Um, I think when Liam was absent and stuff, fucking probably drugged out. He's not and stuff. I think he, um, obviously had to take me back step, but no, it was never yeah, the he same. Can, he claims that how he, he, that's how he learned to sing, is it? There you go, man. He want to do that, yeah, because Liam kept kept taking like strops and going off stage. Nah, William Galkin, man, he's uh, some boy, but um, is it Stone Roses then? Is that, the, is that your favourite then, if we're going back over that kind of music? Yeah, probably. Stone Roses yeah. were... You know what it was? It was a myth behind the Stone Roses at the time, because when I, I remember it, Lacey Dolan was the first person to let me hear the Roses. Like, first year. This is the one. Just feel like, like Squire's guitar just started, man. Was just <laughs> like, what is this? But, uh, yeah, the myth I've never been able to see them. I got tickets for Heaton Park. Oh, you never got to? No, I got there. I was there the first night. Um, oh, wow, okay. Like, it was an emotional day. Like, I, I never yeah, knew the Whalers were supporting for one. Mm-hmm. The Whalers, I was steaming. The Whalers came out with Ziggy Marley, I'm sure, burst out crying because I couldn't believe I was going to see the Whalers. They won the uh, Yeah, the Roses came on. And, wow. I'll never forget it. It was, it was incredible, man. I've, I've got tattoos on my arm. I've got the Roses, Stone Roses on one. Bottom out of another because mm-hmm. uh, right after that set, there was like 75,000 people singing a redemption song to the fireworks set after that. Like, like, oh man, that's fucking goosebumps. Oh man, it was unbelievable. I mean, getting that thing, like speaking about it now, but I've got videos from, from the day. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, that was that was the gig of all gigs for me. Of course, you had fucking Z- Ziggy Marley there, man. That's as close as you're going to get. I never knew the whalers were coming. You know what I mean? The whalers just came out. That, just like, <laughs> well, massive Bob Marley fan as well. Massive Bob Marley fan. But uh, yeah, that day was just something else. I don't even know how many of the original whalers it was, to be fair. <laughs> I'm sure I've seen that. I've seen like they've got, I definitely can. It was maybe, I mean, for how many people were in the band, I definitely remember a couple, maybe two or three were part of the, yeah, the Bob Marley just, era as well. I can't remember who just died, but one of the, the last original whalers just died, I'm sure. I'm sure I read that the other week, but um, 
I don't know. I like all that. You see, like the Peter Tosh and like all the stuff. You've, you've ever seen the, the Bob Marley documentary? Like that, that guy Bunny. I don't know if I've, I've seen I've seen documentaries about them, but I don't know if I've seen I've seen kind of like fan made ins and kind of ins that you got on like VH1 kind of well yeah, talk, yeah. talking now like what behind the music like industry type shit. No quite yeah, the same. they've done there's a few a few good ones like the VH ones are stuff's a nightmare I think so. They are, mate, they are. But honestly, see going on about that old sky like scar reggae sort of vibe in Jamaica and mm-hmm. something. Just looks great. Honestly, I love that. What do you think it is about Bob Marley then? What do you think it is that's kind of kept these, uh, I mean, obviously he was a legend, but no so much for his music, but the kind of rash, the lifestyle. And um, I've seen a few interviews where I'm kind of talking about the kind of value of money in terms of what really what really I, counts I, I for individuals. I think it was a message. message. I do. Like, I don't really like reggae music. I would say I'm more a fan of ska. Oh, yeah. But I really, I really like, yeah, I would say it was his message, to be fair. Everybody always associates it with smoking weed. And if you actually listen to Bob Marley, it's not really a bit of, you know what I mean? It's really not. So, no, it's a stereotype, is it? I've seen it. It's, it's, it's a big stereotype. Mm-hmm. I mean, you didn't need to be a stoner to listen to Bob Marley. Appreciate that. But I, I would say it was a message. It was just, you know, it's like the Beatles. It's like, no simple songs, but it's all about love. It's all about being happy. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, yeah. Why is it? Why is it all the greats? The ones that everybody's still listening now, but speaks volumes, mate. This is what I mean. Half the ones that half the people I listen to are dead now. Or probably uh, more. I would say. Missed with me, mate. Same here, man. It's uh, well, I can't even think. I listen to that much fucking music, but um, I'm pretty much the same. It's that kind of Beatles. Hey, okay, bit of Michael Jackson and all that as well, man. Bee Gees. Oh, I love that like that. Michael Jackson. And the Bee Gees. The Bee Gees, like, sexy stuff's quality, man. Yep. <laughs> you know what, Michael Jackson as well. I really like Michael Jackson. I think he's, uh, I don't know. Did you ever, did you watch that documentary? That, uh, yeah, I watched it, eh? <laughs> I thought it was a lot of shite, right? I just uh, thought it was a lot of shite, to be honest. See, see the thing for me, right? So... As I've kind of said, it's kind of very naive in that. Like I studied at university, and you didn't need to study at university to learn, but if we were comfy in that sense, you do, because I was like surrounded by shit and didn't really care much about anything. But see, when you like study or even just become well-read in something, um, obviously you develop your own independence, your own opinion. And when I've watched that of Michael Jackson stuff, so I've seen the documentaries, I've seen the interviews with the alleged kind of victims and all that, and again, everybody can paint their own hand. Um, but in my experience, when you kind of put that in together, it always comes down to um, media. And then you've got the way that media like to construct stuff to kind of get a different party on their side. And that sounds conspiracy theory, but when you get the media... Nah, yeah, that's that shit, Malcolm X. That's Malcolm X, man. Uh, media, media <laughs> control, they control other hands. They do, they do. And then when you see the Michael Jackson thing and all that, you're right. I mean, I, I think deep down, I think a lot of people's opinions were just based upon... Uh, newspaper articles and kind of what's it called? Like kind of propaganda, painting them out into the kind of image that would kind of portray somebody who would be like that. And now, nah, personally, I don't think, or, or I like to believe that he didn't. Nah, you know what? I, I, well, I don't know. He was a bit weird, right? But I watched that documentary and I just felt disturbed. I just thought it was two grown men just sitting and lying. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Just, yeah. just to try and get a wee bit of money out of a dead guy. But, um, <laughs> You know what? He didn't help himself the way he went about, I suppose. He's always going to be open to shots, is he? But yeah. personal opinion, I, I just didn't believe that. And you nah. guys, if you look at if you look at the actual actual facts that people hit you with, with the court cases and actual and stuff like that, 
The popular no, opinion is he didn't do it. I think. No, I don't think so. No, I, th- I think I think his uh, his music and his kind of legacy, whilst it has been tarnished a wee bit of that type of stuff, um, I do think that um, ultimately the talent and the fucking contribution that he brought to music is going to bring it on overall. So um, I've went into a wee tangent there about music. I'm going to jump back into your uh, Dundee Soul thing just briefly before we kind of wrap up. So um, what would, what's going to be happening then in the next couple of months? So planned on reopening. I've seen that you made a wee announcement about not so much doing refurbishing and that, if I'm right. So what's the what's the next couple of months look like for you, for anybody who's listening? Um... I'm, well, I've still been going through my backlog for ages. I'm trying to get that just out of the way. I'm done. I'm trying to get as much... Uh, I've been to proper trainer hunting. That's what, I, that's what I've been up to for the past couple of months. Just trying to find whatever I can find, get deals done, get the rarest trainers I can get my hands on down here. You know what I mean? Um, I've got a few things. I've been asked to do a few things with a few people. <laughs> the one thing that I really, really, really want to do is I want to do a collab with Kerry Aldo. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's a designer, eh? I think I've heard one. Yeah, if we can get both get time to do that, you know what, I really want to do that because I think Kerry's super talented. She makes some class stuff. Keep it Dundonian, you know what mm. I mean? So that, if I can get time to do that, I'm going to best of her to actually get that done. But, uh, yeah, that and the Pink Floyd show, a change, change is daily, daily man. Mm-hmm. You get an idea, you just run with it, man. You know what I mean? No, that's, I mean, that's inspiring in itself. I mean... As I said, if you were to go up to people and, I mean, people's attitudes might change now compared to what it used to be, but the thought of somebody kind of skipping the trade and skipping this and skipping that to go and do something like clothing or sneakers, I mean, essentially, we know that you've got a unique kind of aspect to how you do stuff, but it's a kind of scary world because you're kind of packing in that that safety net of the nine to five that people can do just to earn a wage. But what you're doing, it's like, um, you're not existing in that kind of work frame and just in your nine to five. You're kind of well, living you know and you're doing what I you're think, doing on your terms. I think that's what holds a lot of people back. Yeah, I think that is what holds a lot of people it is, back. It is. I got when I was 25, I was working in a place that I really hated, and I was stuck there for like 400 quid extra a month. I was stuck there for two years just purely because of that, and because mm-hmm. I was in this mind frame that you've got to be working for somebody, it's the only way you can make money. Yep. So, yeah, that I fell with the manager and he gave us a wee telling off and that like inspired us to, to go on and prove him wrong. Yeah, we'll just put it like that. But yeah, I think if you get out of that mind frame, it is scary. You know what I mean? I've went I went to Cardiff, Cardiff and back in like 18 hours, or a couple of thousand to pick up trainers and stuff. Mm-hmm. And that's all your money. You know what I mean? If the trainers didn't sell, of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. They did sell, so it wasn't too bad. But yeah, there is. Some stuff, I don't actually tend to think about it anymore. See, if you think about it, you'll drive yourself mad. You just got to believe that and just, just go for it. No, that's, it's a, it's... that's the thing with people as well. People always like sort of tell you you can't do something. I think mm-hmm. you've got an idea, you've got to go and do it. Like what you're doing with your podcast and stuff, that you've got an idea, you've got to do it. You can't listen to what AMD says. No. You've got to fucking hear a plan in your head and just do what you want to do. No man, like every every time you do something there in, in the tent, so getting trainers and getting stuff, whether it be kind of wholesale or ordering it for a farm and stuff, I think it's um a prime example of it kind of sticking it to the man. You're doing stuff on your own terms. And I mean, you sound like you're aware of the fact that it is a situation where it could all it could all kind of fall back doing on like a ton of bricks, but you're still doing it because it kind of 
identifies with you, it's personal to you. And I just wanted to kind of end it just by asking, like, if anybody else wanted to get into your line of work or something similar, what would you say in the sense of packing a nine to five, just kind of sticking it to the man, doing it in your own terms? What would you say to somebody listening? I would say, for one, right, a lot of people, I get messages a lot saying they want to start up their own thing, but they don't know how to do it, and mm-hmm. they're looking for advice how to do it. Well, for a start, if you don't know how to do it, then why are you, like, why are you asking? Yep. You know what I mean? I think if you're going to do something, I think you have to be 100% passionate about it. You've got to believe that you can actually do it as well. I, th- I think that mind frame is a big bar with most people. I think you've got to have, you've just got to get out of your head. You don't be scared to fail. You know what? Mm-hmm. If you even Every time I've failed, I've learned something from it. It's resilience, you know is it? Yeah. Like, every day is a school day, man. Just... If, if you want to go for someone, you're 100% behind yourself. Believe in yourself. Make sure it's something that you actually want to do. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because if it's something that you want to do, then it's no, it's no work. It doesn't feel like work, you know what I mean? No, that's it. It's about kind of enjoying something that you're doing, enjoying something that personal what you're doing. You'll never be working a day in your life, what to say like. Honestly, she sends, she sends it like this shop. Hardly had a day off. I mean, some days are like you know, you class it as work. You're down here, you're not doing much, but you're still doing stuff. But yeah, honestly, hardly had a day off, hardly had a weekend off. Just, mm-hmm. just a constant buzz down here. No, you can tell the you can tell the passion, mate. Like I said, social media, looking on social media, whether it's chucking up maybe five or six posts a day, putting up a story, putting up the new design, the kind of idea behind it. I seen that kind of. We advert thing you done with them gravity style things that were kind of the trainers were spinning about. Um, yeah, on this the weekend, levitating kind of devices. Yeah, yeah. The levitating devices, that's it. But, um, like in your cell, you're, you're very inspiring in the sense that you're, as I say, you're living it, you're doing it on your terms, you're doing it for someone that is a niche market, you're not chasing the absolute mainstream. People can definitely learn for you, people in Dundee and the far can learn for you. And I mean, it's good to hear that people in Manchester are kind of catching on, letting you can that. Um, you're actually kind of making, you're actually kind of time and history on the basis of this type of thing. And I think that um, hopefully this next boom that we've got going through the pandemic is actually going to kind of make changes in a lot of the hard work that you are going to get um, and that you kind of put into it. You're going to receive the kind of dividends of it and it's going to work out for you and your business is hopefully just going to get strength and strength and kind of continue getting popular in that. So just to end up on that, where could we find your stuff? Like where could everybody find your work and what you've done? Um, well, first off, it's on for that, man. I appreciate that. Probably, buddy. <laughs> um, you can find us on Instagram, it's Dundee Soul on Instagram. Uh, you can find us on Facebook as well, just to send them. There's a Twitter page, but I'm not gonna lie, I've never bothered to do anything. What near, near to them, mate. I'm gonna try and do a YouTube thing. Everybody's asked to try and do that. Uh, I'll try and do that. You know what? It would be pretty cool to document what was coming through the doors constantly, like. I've not done vintage properly for about a year and a bit now, but see, like, some of the trainers at the start that was coming through, <laughs> some of them are beautiful, you know what I mean? And you've never seen them again. So I thought I wish I did document it better, but, so, yeah, that's maybe a plan as well. You might find us on YouTube. No, nah, man, that sounds awesome. And I appreciate you coming on, buddy. It's good that we finally got it done, and as we said, I was hoping it would get some kind of meat in the shop, get into the shop to see what it looks like, but... Can always kind of check in with you again in a yeah, wee while. Yeah, man, you're coming any time, man. Definitely. Awesome, man. No, I appreciate yeah, your I'll time. I'll be watching uh, the Greg Caden one, mate. I promise you. I'm really looking forward to that one. 
Nah, I can't wait to get them on. Um, kind of grill them about the stuff that we've been um, kind of captivated we, if you will, for years about Tupac and Biggie. So that'll be cool as anything, man. I think I, I definitely think that the Keefe D story is true. Like I just I don't know I, I don't know about the the Biggie murder. I just mm-hmm. think that was it Teresa Swan or something? Is that her name? I'm not sure. I I, I ever read about was uh, was it Orlando the the guy oh, who got yeah. killed off. I always read about that, and I was like, um, I mean. We've seen what happened to him in the lobby, eh? Like, he got his fucking head kicked in. But, um, I don't know, Ken, I probably need to kind of watch a couple of docs just to get back. I mean, I'll be watching yeah, loads of shit. they've got a whole series. They've got a whole series of them. Yeah, they do. They do, man. They do. The best one was the, the original documentary came out with him. I think it was, like, 2013 or something. It's on for, like, two and a half hours. That's fucking gripping stuff, though, mate. Yeah, yeah, that's some, that's some guest for you to get, man. Well done. Uh, cheers, buddy. Nah, it's good, but um, I'll give you a shout, and uh, as I said, if I get time, man, I'll come up to the shop, have you look, and when the Greg Caden episode comes about, we'll uh, get stuff going on, and I'll share your shop, your links, and everybody, with everybody, and just try and get that momentum going, keep it going online, and then get in the kind of physical aspect when we get going and our hands open again, so thanks again, buddy. Yeah, so, man, it's been, it's been a pleasure. Take it easy, man, all right? <laughs> you too, bud, I'll speak to you soon. See you later, buddy. That's you.